everybody. Welcome to That's Life, where we are right across from a massive film set on the Lower East Side. And like good New Yorkers, we just wish they would free up those parking spots. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side this Thursday, I'm joined by Yoni behind the board. What's up, Yoni? Morning, morning, morning. How are you? Great. Yeah, it's just a beautiful sunny day. It's like Houston out there. Uh, right, 30 degrees less, but otherwise. Whatever, get over it. Just to keep the doors <laughs> closed and the windows closed and you're fine. I know you have, you're have you're busy engineering. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So uh, I, I will just mock you instead while you can't answer. Is that all right? Good, you're nodding. Excellent. Um, there's a lot going on, folks. First of all, shout out to everyone who was at the Courtside Girl last Motzei Shabbat for the filming of the Kosher Halftime Show 2017. Yes, it was... It was phenomenal. I got to be honest with you. It was absolutely phenomenal. My thanks to our hosts at Courtside. That includes Joey Honig and Chef Chef Albert Bijou. And of course, our thanks to REA Kunstler and Evanal Orchestra. A phenomenal performance last Monday, Shabbos. What a show. My thanks also to Jeff Besson from the Long Island Herald. He was there that night. Uh, He actually had a great time. uh, Thanked me for making it more fun than work, which is the way I describe life here at the Nachum Siegel Network all the time. Um, but we had a, it was great. It was an absolutely great performance. There were a lot of uh, bonus tracks that Arye and the Evanal Orchestra recorded that night, some of which will be released. So keep an eye out for that. Jamie is on top of that, that's for sure. So watch our social media. There is so much going on. You don't want to miss a moment of it. Also, as you know, Nachum's been announcing all week, and many of you have already participated in the big Abels and Hyman 22-inch Weber Grill giveaway. If you want to participate in that, put your name in. Email win at nachumsegel.com. We will register you for the drawing, which will take place tomorrow morning on JM in the AM. So again, so much going on here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You don't want to miss a moment of it. The Kosher Halftime Show will be released just around 8 p.m., I would say, depending on what time the uh, halftime show starts for the big game. The big game, which we cannot refer to as the Super Bowl, but oops, look, I did that. Um probably about 8 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure to check it out on our fa- on our homepage, NahumSiegel.com. It will also exist there in perpetuity. Well, not exactly, but at least for about a month. Uh, I will be available on YouTube afterwards. And um, I-, I can't wait to hear your feedback, folks. I always look forward to listener feedback, either positive or negative. We appreciate your involvement in our programming here and the fact that you take it as seriously as we do but I have a feeling on this one it's only sorry for the wrong sports metaphor it's only a home run it is really only a home run the 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 guys did a great job it is crepe day February 2nd here in the United States it's also friends day so I'd automatically like to thank uh Hope Levav who is at my shadchan for this interview today Hope I have known for a long time and I thank her for introducing me to Julie Fisher, who is actually my newest Facebook friend and is joining us from Israel. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Actually, over here it's evening. It is evening, but I, 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 I it's a bad habit. I always think everybody's in New York, you know. <laughs> Julie, no problem. Julie, Thanks for having me on the show, Miriam. Absolutely, my pleasure. Julie Fisher is not known to everyone as Julie Fisher. Some people know her as Mrs. Dan Shapiro or Mrs. Ambassador <laughs> Dan Shapiro, who was named uh, and took the post of American Ambassador. From the uh, for, uh, to Israel in the summer of 2001, 2011, sorry, he assumed the position of the United States ambassador to Israel. 
Uh, she herself is a mother, a supreme educator, has tremendous experience in the fields of education, both inside and outside of the classroom. Uh, she served for seven years as the director of general studies at the Jewish Primary Day School of the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., following seven years as a classroom teacher. She also served as a teacher, trainer, and curriculum developer at the Melvin J. Berman High School in Silver Spring, Maryland. She reserved her bachelor's degree from Brandeis University. I guess I know who you're rooting for on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> majoring in sociology and education. She went on to receive an elementary school teaching certification from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and a master's degree in early childhood education and curriculum development from Wheelock College. She grew up in Minnesota. So that's that that I totally want to hear about that. But before moving <laughs> before moving to Israel, she and her husband lived in Washington, D.C., and they have three children and now are residents of Israel. I thank you for taking the time to speak with me this morning and this evening for you. Um there's there's so many questions that I want to ask you. I just want to make sure that our listeners know that uh, this is not a political conversation. I really want to know about, I mean, I know what it's like to raise kids on Long Island. I wonder very much about raising kids in an ambassador's home. It's, uh, it's something like you can never imagine. It's <laughs> something like I could never imagine. So when we were asked to serve our country, we were... Uh, honored, and it was such a privilege, and I spent a lot of time figuring out, uh, trying to figure out how we would adjust. We were the youngest, we had the youngest children ever to live in the residence, which is in Herzliya, Petuach, Israel, a beautiful, beautiful home. It is in no way designed for a family with young children. <laughs> all the tables are glass, all the sofas were white, and no one as young as my kids had ever lived there before. Oh, my. Oh my! <laughs> exactly. So, so we had to really think about how to uh, do our job as a family representing the United States to our biggest ally, Israel, and at the same time try to have some normalcy in our family life in a setting that was very strange. At first, it felt like living in a hotel, mm. uh, and so we had to figure out how how can we make the residents feel like a a home. Right. So we had to make changes. Uh, in terms of uh, having other people around us all the time, not having any privacy, uh, making sure the girls had opportunities to do chores and, and help the family in a normal way uh, in a setting where that was very hard to pull off. I, I can't even imagine. I know that when uh, the Obamas first took, took uh, residence at, at the, uh, in the White House, the rumor had gone around that the girls would still be making their own beds. <laughs> and and we struggle with that same that same question of how much responsibility should the girls have in a house that was really obviously too big for us to take care of on our own, which right. is why there's a staff because thousands of people come through the house. Um, but we needed to make sure that our girls who were very young when we moved in they were four and six and eleven. So the four and six year olds have both been there, you know, a four year old over over half her life, wow. and their six year old exactly half her life. And uh, we needed to figure out how to instill in them the values of responsibility uh, and, and taking a part of, in meeting the needs of the family. And so we had certain things that they had to do. They had to clear their places. They had to carry up their laundry. So things that even though there were actually staff people who wanted to do those jobs, I had to kind of forbid them from doing them so that the girls would have the opportunity to take care of themselves. And, and now that you've moved out of the residence into your own home, how's that transition going? 
It's it's actually fascinating. We're still <laughs> in the honeymoon phase. We've only slept in the new house for about seven nights. So we're really enjoying the privacy and the normalcy. But I think, you know, when we get you know, a couple months down, then, uh, you know, the girls still think it's really fun. They get, they get off the bus after school, and I have each day different chores for them to do. And they think it's really, really fun now. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> but when... I think we're going to get to the point where it's not novel anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the honeymoon will wear off, and they'll see that it's just part of life. It's like when your kids first get their license, and everyone wants to go to the store to get you milk. And then after a couple weeks, right. they don't want to do anything for you when they get their license. <laughs> Exactly. And actually, I have that with the girls. They want to run to, they want to go to the store <laughs> and buy groceries. They're very, very eager to help. So that's, it's going to be interesting to watch in the coming months. That's hysterical. Julie Fisher joins us. She is the wife of uh, outgoing, or I should say former, Ambassador Dan Shapiro, mm-hmm. who was the U.S. ambassador to Israel starting in 2011 and just recently finished his term. I know that you had mentioned on Facebook saying goodbye to your embassy family. To me, that that was just uh, in and of itself, an interesting concept that you had you had raised your children there, but the staff and the the other wives, uh, you know, are part of this group, all became part of your family. I wish you could talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So there were different communities that we were a part of. Um, you know, in in our own in the residence, there was there was a staff of six people, and so for the last almost six years, every single day, almost or most days of the week, we were surrounded by this small group of people whose job it was and still is to take care of the residents and take care of the people who are living in the residence, help run the events if something gets broken, to set, set cooking for the events. So there's this group of people, and so here we are as a family living in the same house where all this is happening. We always say we kind of live above the store, <laughs> but, you know, it's part, of, it's part of our daily life. So we became very, very close to those six people who were working in the house every day, and leaving them was uh, very, very difficult, especially for the kids, because that's all they knew, especially the little ones. Um, then, then there, were other, there were other parts of the community we were very close with, the other diplomats and the uh, people at the embassy, which there are 800, but there's a core group of them, especially local employees, who we worked with very, very closely all of our time there. And that's, that, those relationships, many of which are ongoing, but it's hard to not be in kind of daily contact with all of those people. I had watched a, a documentary a number of years ago on the relationship of the kitchen staff in the West Wing of the White House to the different families as they lived there during their presidencies and how when um, when there was trouble, shall we say, between President Clinton and Mrs. Clinton, that the chef would make some of their some of their comfort foods in order to in order to, you know, try Mm -hmm. and do their part. I wonder what it's like to have people that intimately involved in your lives on a daily basis. I mean, you're, you're raising a family, you're parenting your kids, you have a marriage. I mean, there's 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 a difference between, you know, you can't leave your work at home. You, I sorry, you can't leave your work at the office. You bring it home with you. So you have all these people who are so intimately involved in your life, but it sounds like for the most part the way you're describing it that it was only positive. Well, we were very lucky that we were surrounded by incredible people with whom we felt very comfortable 
and I think part of that is luck and part of that is that we try to get to know them and welcome them into our lives in a constructive and positive way. And when there were issues or we needed more privacy, that we could just communicate that really clearly and politely. Um, but it is a challenge. It, it definitely were, there were challenging times. You're always aware that someone else is around. You're having a conversation and other people are listening. Other adults are listening. In the beginning, when I had to discipline the kids or, you know, chastise them or encourage them or, you know, try to make sure that, that the kids knew that there were still boundaries. So we were in this incredible house doing this incredible uh, job for our government with these uh, amazing opportunities. On the other hand, they also had to be polite and clear their dishes and, you know, do those things. And I was very aware that I was parenting with an audience all mm. the time. And that, that was hard. And then I began to get some really positive feedback from the <laughs> staff in the house about that they thought I was doing a really good job being firm with the kids. And I, then I felt much better. And I thought, okay, you know, they're not second-guessing me, but there's definitely a feeling of kind of being watched all the time. We wow. also had it with my husband's bodyguards and driver. So, you know, we couldn't have a conversation in the car without other adults listening to us. Right. And we had to get used to that. There were several months in the beginning where that felt very, very strange. And then it just kind of seemed like an extended family. And our kids would be singing songs in the back, and the driver would be smiling and singing <laughs> along. And that was just the new reality. Wow. I mean, speaking of reality, if we could just go back in time, you've been married for, for 24 years. Is this what you signed up for? I mean, I, I, when you met, I, I don't um, even no. know what you, I don't know. Um, no, it's probably I the answer. I signed up to be loyal to my husband and to be a, a great partner and have a great partnership. And we've always had that. And we're very, very lucky in that regard. But this isn't what we ever imagined. It was kind of a dream in the beginning. In the, in the very beginning, when Dan, you know, Dan was working on the campaign very early, and he was in, walked into the White House on the very first day, on the inauguration day, to start work. So he's been involved he, in the administration, the last administration, since the very, very beginning. So that part wasn't a surprise. But he was very young to be appointed an ambassador. So when he told me very early on in the Obama administration, that he might, that he, there was a possibility that he might be asked to be the ambassador. What did I think about that? And I said, well, if the President of the United States of America asks us to go to Israel and serve our country in a country that we love, then we'll figure it out. We'll, you know, but I said, what percentage chance is it that that would happen? Right. And he said, oh, about 5%, 5 chance. <laughs> and we kind of chuckled. And so about two years later, you know, little by little, that percentage chance kept going up and up and up. So I had a lot of time to digest it. But it really was uh, not, not something that either of us expected. Yeah, you ever look at him and say, remember that time you said it was only a 5% chance that you were going to be ambassador to Israel? <laughs> <laughs> remember how yeah. funny that was? <laughs> remember how funny that was? <laughs> yeah, you're listening Actually, to... We... No, I'm sorry, go on. I was going to say that we, when we were flying here to t take on the position... I handed him uh, something I had found when we were packing up the house, and it was his ID from when we were students at Hebrew University, uh, our junior year in college. And I said, look, here, here's, your, here's the last time that we lived in Israel. Oh, we lived in a crummy apartment as, as poor students in Jerusalem, and this is how we're going back to live there again. Yeah, but it was an interesting moment. You're a little bit like the Jeffersons, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> there oh, you go. There you go. A little pop culture reference. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum <laughs> Siegel Network. I'm joined on the air by Julie Fisher, who is the wife of the former ambassador from the United States to Israel, Ambassador Dan Shapiro, joining us now on the phone. Julie, let's just talk for a second. I mean, you you mentioned about what the you know the different people who are who are surrounded and involved in your lives, but what is a daily 
what does a day look like living in living in the residence or being part of the embassy? I mean, you wake up and then what happens? So from for me, from my vantage point, as kind of I, I used to joke with Dan that I was his best un, unpaid embassy employee. As the, <laughs> as the spouse, the, jo- the job is very, uh, you know, it's a very gray area thing. I chose to really embrace it and to be very busy, which is just my style, and to use the skills that I had from my, from my past as an educator and an educational leader, and I jumped in. And so I was very, very active with the uh, primarily three different communities. One is the spouse community of the American Embassy. We have uh, we had 200 uh, direct hire Americans, and we had a high number of families and spouses who were at post with us. So there were a lot of activities with them to help them adjust and learn how to live in Israel and uh, provide educational and cultural and social activities for them. Uh, and then there was the wider group of diplomats, of which uh, I stepped up after my first few years here to be the president of the Diplomatic Spouses of Israel, which is a group of about uh, over 200 wow. spouses of diplomats accredited to Israel from over 60 countries around the world. And that was a really wonderful organization to be a part of. We had a monthly speaker series, and we took a monthly trip, and we had opportunities to meet President Rivlin and former President Shimon Peres, uh, and has some really incredible opportunities as diplomats in Israel. Uh, so that was a wonderful group. And then uh, I used to do a lot of outreach work with the embassy. So however I could use my educational background especially uh, to support the good work of the embassy in their coexistence projects, in their English teaching pro- uh, projects. So, for example, I would go on a trip to a Haredi school in B'nai Brak, and I met uh, high school girls who were studying English uh, because of a grant given by the U.S. Embassy. Wow. So those kinds of trips were extremely meaningful to me. And I'm sure you, you could see the, the, the immediate benefits, the immediate return on your investment, so to speak, of the time and, and the commitment of your family by being involved in all these different kind of projects. Absolutely. And we were welcomed all over Israel by everyone. It was really incredible. So there's so much talk about the Freedmen's who are taking the post and and moving moving to Israel and becoming the ambassadors. I mean, what would you what would you if you had five minutes with Mrs. David Friedman with Tammy Friedman? What would you tell her in terms of your experience and what you could uh, wisdom you could impart to her? Well, actually, I, I do hope to speak to her and to meet her because before we came here, since I was coming from the educational world and Dan was coming from the political world, he really knew exactly what to expect, and I didn't know what to expect at all. So I did my homework, and I reached out to the wives of the last four ambassadors. Oh, wow. And all four of them spent time with me, uh, two in person and two over the phone, and gave me incredible advice about how to approach the job as a spouse. Uh, things like, you know, really get to know the job first and the lay of the land before making a commitment to anything. And sure enough, right away I was asked to be an honorary chair, I think my second day here, for an organization that I didn't even know yet. So really good <laughs> advice about um, taking, taking time to settle in and deciding how, how you want to make an impact. Uh, do you want to zero in on, on, a, on a specific organization or do you want to have a wider impact? Um, and uh, how to, for, for us, with a young family, we received a lot of good advice about how to make the residence a home, to not mm. be afraid of, you know, really settling in and 
uh, people used to say, use the whole house. I mean, it's not going to feel normal, but try to make it into a home for your family. Um, they don't have young kids, so it's different advice, of course. Right. Um, but I would say, the, you know, for me, the most important thing was to figure out what my priorities were. And the mm. first priority was to get the kids settled in. Right. And the second was to be supportive of Dan, his job, and, and to, you know, make a good impression and do the best job we could. And, you know, little things like that. And several times we had to readjust when the schedule was getting out of hand. Uh, you know, then I would pull back and do fewer events so I could spend more time with the kids and let Dan do some things on his own to make sure that the kids' needs were being met. Those are the kinds of things that we thought of as we, as we started our first year. Was choosing a school for the kids complicated? It was very complicated. When we first arrived, we, we assumed that they needed to go to the American International School, which is where all the children of the diplomats go uh, from around the world, and uh, some Israelis also. But then about halfway through that year, we realized that the kids were not learning Hebrew, and we wanted to give them the opportunity. Our kids were always in day school. Wow. So they were in Jewish preschool, and they were in day school, Jewish day school for their whole lives. So coming here was actually a shock, a shock to them. And the other way, which is they were put into a secular educational wow. experience. Interesting. Because we kind of didn't even realize <laughs> You know, in getting used to this very new job right. and new lifestyle, we didn't even think that, oh, we could put them in local school. So about halfway through that year when we realized that they were actually losing their Hebrew, we thought, wait a second, if we're going to be here for a couple of years, we want to give them the opportunity to become fluent in Hebrew in an Israeli setting. And so we moved all three of them for two years into local schools. Wow. And, uh, and we got a bit of flack. And also I mean, the Israelis were really excited, and the diplomats didn't really know how to think about it. So it was a really tricky situation, but by then we were confident enough in how we were doing, and, and we had settled in enough in the new life that we could, we could just say this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, and, and they had, it. And the kids had protection while they were in school, I assume. They didn't, no. They were oh, just wow. uh, normal kids in the school. I mean, we stuck out, stuck out a little bit because uh, my Hebrew isn't as great as my husband's. And the kids were also, you know, kind of looked like, you know, newbies because they also <laughs> didn't know Hebrew as well, except for our, our oldest child who had already completed many days of day school. So for her, it was much easier. But for the little girls, they were really starting uh, at a low level with their Hebrew. Well, that... But they became, became fluent, so the, the payoff was huge. And it, it, which it sounds like it. And you've decided to stay in Israel for, you've decided to stay there. You're not coming back to the States yet. Right, we're staying to let our, our oldest child. So what, what happened was our, our little one stayed for two years in a, a wonderful Israeli school, and then their English started to lag behind. So we weren't sure how long we were staying. The normal amount of time to stay in this post is three years. So, you know, we were planning on three years, and we wanted the kids to hone up on their English skills. So we moved the two little girls back to the international school, American International School. But our oldest uh, was very happy in her high school, and her English level was already very, very high from her experience in Washington, D.C. So she decided to stay in Israeli high school, and that's why we're staying now, so the kids can all finish their school year. And uh, our daughter is uh, starting the Bagriot system, which is the Israeli exams that they do right. in uh, 11th and 12th grade. So 
it's not a good time for her to move. <laughs> no, move it's it's it sounds like you guys made a, a huge and and very sound decision. We literally have like two minutes left. I have to ask you what Super Bowl Sunday looks like at the at the American Embassy. It's coming up here this Sunday. We have our kosher halftime show that will be uh, available on our site at eight p.m. Eastern time. But when you guys, I mean, do you throw a Super Bowl party? Like, what does it look like? Well, we <laughs> we aren't throwing one now, although in the past we've had people over in the middle of the night. But I just got a message today from a very good friend saying, we're starting the Super Bowl party at 2 a.m. Are you going to be there? Oh. <laughs> and since we just moved into our house and we still have boxes all over, we're in no position to host the Super Bowl party. So we'll have to attend someone else's if we can stay up that late. Yeah, that's not that's not a number. That's not a time that I can usually see. But did you usually have people <laughs> over to, to watch the game at the embassy at the residence? Well, we have had people over before. There's nowhere at the embassy to watch, but there. Well, we have had people over, and of course, my husband is a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. So when they were hey, uh, in the World Series, yeah. we we had all night sessions in our house over and over and over, and I thought uh, he was going to die of exhaustion. Yeah, that must have made security briefings the next day a lot of fun. Oh, he was a, a walking zombie during that time. Very happy that they won, but right, uh, but wow. a walking zombie. Julie Fisher, I thank you so much for joining me, and on behalf of everyone here who is truly proud of both you and your husband, we thank you for your service, and um, and continue your good work on behalf of the American people and the Jewish people. Thank you very very much for your time. Thank you, Miriam. You've been listening to that's live here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Julie Fisher, what a doll! Shoot, and what a lady. She is absolutely incredible. Uh, let's go through the lineup for the rest of the day. We have just a few moments to close the show so that you know what to look forward to, what to expect, and certainly not what, what you should not miss. Full afternoon of programming starts right after That's Life. It's the live lunch hosted by Nahum. And as you know, Milt's pop-up is taking place at Edenwalk on 34th Street. We'll be heading up there. Um, you Definitely tune in. This is going to be a fun show, that's for sure. The pop-up is already going on there. Our thanks to Kevin Conan and everyone at at Milts for uh, for participating with us and for partnering with us in this little uh, promo shenanigan stunt that we're pulling here. But we're heading up there in the middle of the live lunch, and we will be calling back into the show. Yoni will be engineering the show at, the, at and hosting the live lunch at that point. So don't miss a minute of what we have going on. And, of course, the afternoon continues with unbelievable programming here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Tomorrow morning, Jam in the AM starts at 6 in the morning and Bonus JM starts at around 5.30. Don't miss a moment of anything. At the conclusion of JM and AM, Naomi is on board for an encore edition of Table for Two. That begins at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Motzei Shabbat Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull. Motzei Shabbos, 9 p.m. Matis hosts JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. The Kosher Halftime Show, as we keep telling you. Thank you, Arya Kunstler and Evan All, and to all of our sponsors, for your participation, that's Sunday night, uh, just around 8 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss a minute. And, of course, it will be available on our homepage afterwards. So even if you're asleep, because it's the middle of the night in Israel, you can watch it afterwards. I'm truly inspired by uh, being joined by Julie Fisher this morning. We're going to close with Home by the Maccabees, because that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. That's life, everybody. Go Falcons. Bye, guys. <laughs> Been a lot of places I've been all around the world Seen a lot of faces Never know where I was On the horizon Ooh, well I know, I know, I know, I know Sun will be rising 
back home No, we won't forget where we came from The city won't change us We beat to the same drum No, we won't forget where we came from The city won't change us We beat to the same I'm coming home 